when we walk in through those doors at the office, we all hold hands and jump off this humor cliff together and say, this is business. You're serious. I'm serious. This is serious. Because this is business. Business is serious. Welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you speak and present with rock star confidence. I'm Christina Cantors, your host and founder of The C Method Communication Skills Training. For free resources and to subscribe to the show, visit thecmethod.com. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome back to Stand Out, Get Noticed. Christina with you here for episode 167. I hope you are having a fabulous week. Now, today we're learning why, as leaders, we need to take funny seriously. And joining me on the show is professional speaker and former Australian Comic of the Year, Marty Wilson. Now, Marty and I met at a recent conference where I was a keynote speaker and he was emceeing um, and speaking at the evening awards night. And he spoke about resilience and facing your fears, which was really inspiring. And he also kept the crowd engaged and entertained all throughout the night. I always love seeing a seasoned pro in action. So, of course, I ran up to him. I ran up to him during a break and said, can you be on my show? And he very graciously agreed. So here he is. Now a bit about Marty. Uh, he went from pharmacist, that's his, his, his background, um, pharmacist to copywriter to stand-up comic. And he won Australian Comic of the Year in 2008 within a year of taking on stand-up full-time. He shared, he's shared the stage with a bunch of well-known comedians, including Michael McIntyre, Julian Morris, Adam Hills, and Ricky Gervais. He's now the author of 18 books, including his latest, More Funny, More Money. Um, he's an in-demand professional speaker and MC, And one of his specialties is helping people in business to bring more humor and storytelling into their speaking and leadership. And that's what we're talking about today. And this isn't just about being funny when public speaking. Okay, it's not about being a stand-up comedian. You're about to find out why bringing humor into the workplace in general, so this is in your day-to-day conversations, into your meetings, etc. you're going to find out why doing that, bringing more humor in into your communication, is going to help make you more effective and influential, influential as a leader and valuable to your company too. And if you're thinking, well, I'm not, I'm not funny naturally, um, it's okay. You don't need to be a stand-up comic to be funny. Um, as you're about to hear, anyone can learn it. It is a skill. Marty also shares his top tips on how you can bring more funny into your communication with real examples of what it looks like. Show notes for this episode will be at thecmethod.com slash Marty. That's M-A-R-T-Y. Okay, let's get straight into it and meet the wonderful Marty Wilson. I've been a professional speaker uh, for almost 10 years now and about four or five years ago, other speakers, I guess, who had seen me emceeing and I do a fair bit of after-dinner stuff and, and just do it on the keynote circuit, started coming up to me and asking me to help them funny up their stuff, help them make their uh, speeches funny, like there was... One guy, um, a lovely speaker called Graeme Cowan, for example, who's one of the directors of Are You OK Day, and he he actually reads his uh, suicide note out um, from you know fifteen years ago on stage, and he got some wow. feed- and he got some feedback that he needed some laughs to counterbalance the uh, the um, the sadness, 
you know, the good old Shakespearean make them laugh, make them cry sort of thing. And and, um, and people so people started coming up to me and asking me to help them funny up their speeches and help them, even a few people in the corporate space, like oh, so one guy, he was, I won't dob him in, but he's a CEO, and he was at a conference coming up and he was he knew one of his chief competition, the CEO, was also speaking at this conference. And he said, look, I just want to bury this guy. I want to make sure I'm really, <laughs> I want to make sure I'm really funny. And so when people started coming to me, you know, I guess it's an old business truism, you know, when people keep asking you to do something and keep offering you money to do it, then chances are there's a bit of a market for it. So I, I, I developed a, um, you know, a bit of a, a training program and then that turned into an online program and then I got asked to turn that into a book, the, the More Funny, More Money book that came out a couple of months ago, as you were saying. So it's sort of one of those, I just keep getting asked to do it and it's one of those things that I just love teaching people how to do it. Um, so, you know, it, the more I can do it, the happier my life will be. And and mm. it's one of those things because it's just that, that magic moment because it, it's funny has... Being funny, a lot of people think you've either got to be a natural at it or it's this, you know, mystical Hogwarts, um, Harry Potter-esque sort of dark arts that um, no one really knows how to do it. But it's a learnable skill. Like everything else in this world, there are like in, in my online course, there's over 100 videos, about five, less than five minutes each, each to teaching an individual technique. And if you watch all those, pick out seven or eight that you really love, you can be and, and practice them in front of a crowd and there's all, you know, we'll get onto things about be willing to fail in public and, and that sort of stuff. Um, you can learn to do it. You know, it's like um, playing piano or learning tennis or any other skill. You know, like I know um, you help people, you coach people, Christina, with their public speaking skills. It's like no one gets up and their first speech is fantastic. You know, you, you, you have to get up there. There are techniques to be great at speaking in public and there are techniques for creating humour out of the points you want to make in your speaking. And apart from wanting to beat out our competition when we're speaking, what, what are some other reasons why people want to be funny? Why is it such a desirable trait as a speaker and a leader? Well, I, I think partly it's just one of those natural human things. I mean, if, if you go on to uh, eHarmony or RSVP or any of those dating websites, you know, what's the one thing everybody says their prospective partner simply must have. It's GSOH, good sense of humour. Everybody is naturally drawn to people who have a good sense of humour. And psychologists uh, believe that that's because people who laugh a lot, particularly laugh, uh, laugh at, open to laughing at themselves a lot, it shows they have uh, a great deal of psychological well-being. They're quite stable people. Um, they're quite, um, and so due to the forces of evolution, we naturally want to hang around with people or, you know, uh, pair up with people and make them our partner, someone who um, is, you know, a reasonably healthy psychological person. Mm. And, and so, and that works in leadership as well. You know, it, it, um, there, um, there are so many studies, we're happy to get into it, there's so many studies, you know, for example, um, the Harvard Business Review ran an article on a, there was a Hodge Cronin Associates survey. They surveyed 737 CEOs of major corporations in the US. And 98% uh, of them said, they asked them, what are the things, the criteria they hire for? 98% of them put sense of humor in the top three. So like people wow. just naturally want to hire people that are fun. Um, to work with, mm. that are good to work with. And and it partly, I believe, has to do with that 
this person is psychologically stable. This person has a fair bit of inner peace going on. And, you know, when the chips are down in the office, then they'll be someone that I can lean on. They'll be someone that I can trust. Um, there, you know, there's, because uh, pe people are quite worried to tell a joke in a room full of people. Um, you know, oh, what if no one laughs? You know, what if not everybody laughs? They did this fantastic study where they've worked out that even if only 20% of the people in the room laugh, just everybody else in the room, the fact that they hear laughter, it releases the same that the same uh, neurotransmitters in their brain and, <laughs> and increases the likability of the speaker and increases that, like I was saying at the start, that sense of we're all in this together, this is a good place to be. It increases mm. the likability, just like positive sounds of the audience members laughing just makes you appealing to the whole audience. You don't even have to make the whole audience laugh. And, mm. um, you know, but another way it makes you more engaging is like it, it increases long-term retention of any message if you can wrap it up in, in uh, humour. Because, you know, if you think about it, um, when you are getting a joke, you know, if, if, if I just tell you a fact that like, you know, all elephants are pink, then very quickly the prefrontal cortex, the front part of your brain behind uh, your forehead, very quickly cuts in and decides whether you believe that or not. But if I tell you a funny story or just um, a funny joke that illustrates the fact that all um, elephants are pink, to get a joke, like to, um, because almost all jokes have a little puzzle inside them. Um, and so for you to get that joke, it involves the language centers in your brain. It involve, quite often involves the spatial orientation centers of your brain. It involves the memory centers in, of your brain. And all those parts of your brain fire at the same time. And that embeds uh, that memory, that embeds the memory of what you're telling people far more deeply than if you just tell them facts. Mm, yeah, the facts tend to go in one ear and out the other. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and it even uh, builds your credibility. Like they, they did this uh, great uh, psychological study in the States and, and people, uh, they found that people who um, have a physician, so like, you know, nothing's more important than establishing credibility than when you're going to see a doctor about important things. And if they rated their doctor as having a good sense of humour, they were um, far more likely to believe their diagnosis and far more likely to carry out the things, to do the things that the doctor recommended they do to get themselves well again. And so wow. yeah, you, if you transfer that into the corporate space, you know, if you can bring a good sense of humour to work, it shows that how powerful this can be when you're trying to lead people at work. Mm, absolutely. Now, Marty, um, can you share a couple of examples as to what being funny looks like? Because there are so many different styles of humour and there's, there's simply being humorous or there's, you know, telling an actual joke. Mm. What are some types of humor that people can, um, do you think are, are sort of easier, you know, sort of simple for people to, to start to implement at yeah, work? Sure. The best place to start, the best place to start if you want to, you know, if, if you're on your feet a lot at work, if you're presenting to a few people quite a lot, if you're in a leadership position, you know, even just the Monday morning meeting when there's 10 people sitting around a table where you're doing your work in progress meeting, something like that. The best place to start is to bring in funny stories. Start with funny stories because um, when you tell a story, and I should preface this with don't start the story with I've got a funny story with <laughs> I've got a funny story for you. Like don't, don't yeah. just, just tell a story and, and tell stories that the best place to start is um, anyone listening to this, 
ask your um, husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your significant other, your partner, um, what are the top three funny stories that I tell again and again and again when we're at a dinner party or a barbecue or something like that? Those those crusty old stories that I keep when the party's going really well and, and everyone's got their own little pet favourite stories, what's, what's the one or two that I always bring out? Partly because... Um, uh, you know they're funny. Like you've told them before and you know mm. they're funny. And also because, because you know, when you've told a story 20 times before, when you start telling it, your smile gets a bit um, uh, brighter, your shoulders open up a bit, and you just look confident when you tell a story that you've told before. So if you've got an important speech coming up at work or you've got something where you'd like to make a good impression, find those stories that you've told many times before and then at the end of those stories, just after you've made the person, just made after you've made people laugh, there's a few key phrases that you can um, that you can throw in straight. I see when you've made a whole room full of people laugh, they'll believe the next thing that comes out of your mouth, as long as it's not totally ridiculous. So if you say, "Now, the reason I tell you that story is to illustrate this," and then um, think of a way of shoehorning that story into the point you want to make, so. Uh, or you know, say um, the moral of that the moral of that story is this. The reason I tell you that story is this. You know, the lesson for all of us inside that story is this. And as long as okay, what so you there must there must be a lesson from the story. Yeah, you can't so, just tell a funny story because for sake of being funny. No, like, and it's better if you don't. It's better if it looks like you're saying it for a point. Now, now the main reason you're actually saying it is to um, make everyone love you to bits and and listen to the serious points you've got coming afterwards. But if, you mm. open, but if you open with a funny story and don't tell them it's a funny story, just when they laugh, say, right, now the reason I tell you that story is this. And, and people get really um, doubtful about this, but the way I would um, knock down those doubts is I ask them, a whole room full of people, to write down what is the main message of the original Star Wars movie? Or, you know, I find a, a movie that if it's a really young crowd that might not have seen that, I'll, I'll, I'll find a, a movie that they would have seen. And then... You have a look at, if you ask, you know, 100 people what's the main message of the movie Star Wars or even Goldilocks and the Three Bears or Rapunzel or something like that, you would get 50 different answers as to what that uh, the main message of that uh, story is. So it shows you that depending on your point of view when you're watching a story, stories can have lots and lots of messages in them. So um, if you tell a funny story and straight away when everybody's brains are flooded with those wonderful neurochemicals that they love you to bits and you say, the point of that story is this, I promise you they'll believe you. So you can work in almost any story into your communications and as long as it's, uh, mm. not, a as long as it's not a story that makes fun of people in the room or that sort of thing, and we can get to that uh, a bit later, um, then people will believe you. So, um, for example, I'll tell you a quick story. A really good friend of mine, um, he's in one of those families where everything they do, they do it because they've always done it that way. It's family tradition. And, and so like every, every generation, for like for about uh, four generations, every single Sunday afternoon they have the, the oh, this, this guy's name is Sean Richards. And every single Sunday afternoon they have the traditional Richards family Sunday afternoon lamb roast. Every single Sunday afternoon. They've been doing it for four generations. Now, Sean married a girl called Sophie. In Sophie's family, they have traditions too. In Sophie's family, the firstborn male child in every generation is called Richard. Now, Sean Richards didn't want a kid <laughs> called Richard Richards, <laughs> but he was so desperate to get his lamb roast up, 
he gave in. And little Richie Richards was born. Richie, Richie Richards. Hey, you know, it's quite a cool name when you're in primary school. Like, hey, I'm Richie Richards. Hey, look, there goes Richie Richards. Hey, Richie Richards. First day, <laughs> first day of big school, Richie comes home in floods of tears. Absolutely. I can't go back to big school, mum and dad, please. And Sean and Sophie are just taken aback. So, oh, what is it, mate? Look, I know none of your friends went there. Like, I can't go to big school, please. And like, what is it? I know it's a much bigger school, you know, like there's a lot more kids. I can't go to big school. I'm like, what is it, mate? What happened? He said, they call me Double Dicker. <laughs> now, that's a much better story when you can see me acting it out live. But, but the point of that story is I've used that story for about five years on stage for various keynotes um, that I'm currently using it for, um, you know, when, uh, when any decision you make has long-term consequences, you should think about it very, very clearly. Um, and you can see how that, the moral fits that story. Mm. I've, also, I've also used it um, when I used to do a bit about trusting your instincts when, when you're teaching people. And, you, and I used to say, now, um, Sean's instincts were screaming at him not to call his kid double dick, but he didn't listen because he, he wanted his lamb roast that badly. And I've used that story and justified the idea of using it with about four or five different morals over the last four or five years. And, and because people are, you know, have just wet themselves laughing and are really enjoying themselves, they believe what I say. So mm. completing the circle. I promise you, find two. If you've got an important speech coming up, important presentation, find a funny story that you tell all the time, a funny story that you know well. Put one at the start, one at the end, and one about two-thirds of the way through your presentation, and I guarantee you the crowd will love you for it. Awesome. I love that. That's great. I've got stories as well that I've managed to put into multiple presentations and drawn different messages from it. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I know you interviewed Yamini Naidu for your telly summit on yeah. humorous speaking. I interviewed her yeah, a few weeks ago and we talked about storytelling and how uh, she, you know, she talked about how you can use the, your life events as content for your, for your speaking and to just be aware of the funny things and the interesting things that happen yeah. um, to then use. Did she run through the, um, the neuroscience about why stories are so powerful? Did she? Yeah, yeah. I just can't remember. Just very quick, very quickly. Like I was saying, um, again, if, if I say to you that um, all elephants are pink, I don't know why I'm not picking on that today. Um, your prefrontal cortex, very quickly, your judgment centers very quickly decide if you um, if you believe me or not. But they've actually worked out with nuclear magnetic resonance imaging that if I tell you a story about pink elephants, it's a different part of your brain that listens to stories. It's that deeper emotional part. The limbic system is where we listen to stories. And there's, mm. and, and there's a thing called a referential shift that happens. Like, you know, when I was on the plane on the way back up from Melbourne this morning, I sat down and, you know, sometimes you sit down next to somebody, there was a person sitting next to me. He had like a bright green jacket, a bright yellow shirt, bright red trousers and bright blue shoes. And I was thinking, oh, geez, this might not be good. This might not be good. And that actually didn't happen. But I guarantee you, while I was telling you that, your brain is picturing the things that I'm telling you about. And so mm. when, so when, when uh, that did happen to me another day, but it wasn't today. But when, when you're telling somebody a story, there's a thing called a referential shift that happens where you stop listening to Marty Wilson talking to you and your brain just dives into what it thinks the main character in the, in the story is, you know, thinking and feeling and seeing and hearing and all that sort of stuff. So it's actually a different part of your brain listens to stories. That, that's why they're so powerful because they bypass 
people's judgment centers. And if you can make them funny stories, then the ending is even better because everyone just loves you to bits. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Marty, um, I know I'm just conscious of time. Do we have time for sorry, one more sorry. question? I, 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 <laughs> I'm really passionate about all this stuff. I know. This is why I wanted to get you on the show because it's your humour and your storytelling and your passion that comes across makes you even more engaging. <laughs> what would you say is the biggest thing that holds people back from bringing more humour into their communication? Um, well, I, I think it's a double-edged sword. I, I think partly I don't know why it started. I, I've been chatting to a few people over in the States about this in the, in the Humour Summit that I've just done about where this idea that um, business has to be serious comes from. You know, the, yeah. I don't know if it came from the old military structure where it's, you know, it used to be like, you know, the corporate structure mirrored the military structure and there was, and there was no room for that. I don't know if it came from the Industrial Revolution. Um, I don't know where it came from. But this idea that, you know, someone who's too serious at work is never called out, but someone who's, who's um, too light and too flippant always is. And I don't, I don't understand the idea that, you know, like, um, like I was saying, you know, in our home life, we all want to hang around with people who have a good sense of humour. But when we walk in through those doors at the office, we all hold hands and jump off this humour cliff together and say, this is business. You're serious. I'm serious. This is serious. Because this is business. Business is serious. <laughs> and... and and I don't know where it came from. And, and, and I think it, that attitude stops at middle management. You know, the people sort of right up the top quite often are much more human. And, and, and I think um, so it's, it's partly this idea that business has to be serious and uh, partly it's the idea that um, being uh, using levity at work is being a stand-up comic. It's not. It's just being human. It's just bringing that, mm. that humanity to work. It's not cracking gags. It's, you know, you can take what you do seriously without taking yourself seriously. That's the thing I say. And there's also, the bit, and there's also the bit about um, fear of failure, you know, because there's something particularly painful about trying to make a crowd laugh and, and it not going well. And so that's why I say tell stories, not jokes, because when you tell if, when you tell a joke, you know it's a joke, the audience knows it's a joke, and they know the pressure is on them to judge it and decide if it's funny or not, and the whole room will very quickly tell you if it's funny or not. Whereas if you just tell stories and don't say at the front, this, I've got a funny story for you, then if they don't laugh, you just move on and, and it doesn't matter. Whereas if you tell a joke and they don't laugh, everyone's like, oh, is he upset by that? I'm upset by that. Oh, I feel for him. God, he must be dying inside and all this sort of stuff. And so don't, don't tell jokes, tell stories. The last thing, mm. the last part of it is um, what you can make fun of in the workplace. And this is really important. This is really important. So if you are going to try and be funny in the workplace, there are three things you can always make fun of and you shouldn't make fun of anything else because, you know, a lot of humour has targets. Um, you can make fun of shared frustrations, common enemies and yourself. So shared frustrations, you know, if you're in a business that is highly regulated, you can make fun of those regulations. You know, shared frustrations, if the computer system was down that day, you can make fun of the computer system being down that day or you can make fun of yourself. But the key part of that is, Make fun of yourself as a human being. Don't make fun of yourself as 
insert the title of your job here. Don't make fun of your ability to your ability yes. to do your job. You know, don't be like an accountant who in a meeting goes, "Oh, I'm terrible with numbers." Me, <laughs> you know, like it. Um, you know, you can make fun of yourself like as a dad or as someone who catches public transport. Or the way I say it is, you can make fun of yourself as a member of a group where most people in that room are also a member of that group. So you know, you can you can make fun of being a parent. You can make fun of, uh, you know, the frustrations of getting to work in your car that day. Does that make sense? Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Do you know Judy Carter? I do know. Uh, I don't know her personally, but I, I know her work and her book. Yeah, yeah, yeah her, her she has a she has a technique she calls um, acknowledge your defect. Yes, which is, and when she says defect, she doesn't mean you know something where you actually you know def- defected, but it's some it's something a bit, a bit weird or unusual about your appearance or, or your accent or something like you said something personal about you, and yeah, yeah. acknowledging that, poking a little bit of fun at it, and making you more human. And I think that's what I'm that's the main message I'm getting from you throughout this conversation is around bring just being more human yeah, and yeah. not being afraid to let your personal self show through in in the workplace. And a great a great phrase that um, to to do that with that Judy uses is you start with okay I know what you're all thinking <laughs> and and then mm. after that you you know talk about how tall you are how short you are you know how your hair is bright red you know your um, your tie is far too bright or you know like yeah. any, anything that the audience would have seen the second you stood up yeah yeah absolutely I'm mm. um, speaking about the shared frustrations. So we met at the AIC conference, which is the Australian Institute of Conveyances yes. um, conference um, a few weeks ago, and who were surprising, surprisingly a hoot, weren't they? They were great fun. They loved it. I wasn't. I wasn't expecting uh, to uh, for, for them to be as you know full of beans and up for a party as they were. They were great fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, during the day, one of the frustrations that came up, they kept saying, the conveyancer down the road is charging less than you. The conveyancer down the road is undercutting you, blah, blah, blah. So when I got up to do my presentation, I made a joke. I was like, so, man, we all really hate this conveyancer down the road. Who is she? You know, <laughs> yeah. She's horrible. Although, yeah, like, yeah. it sounds like everyone's going to her, so let's go have a party at her place. And they were all laughing because yeah, it was like yeah. that shared frustration because I was like, it just keeps coming up. Well, that's what, what, one, of the, one of the great tips that I got from running this um International Business Humor Summit is um, speaking to a guy called Darren Lacroix, who's he was a world Toastmasters world champion speaker, and he was in the zone. He was just fantastic, and he said every time he's at a conference, he asks the conference organisers, "What's everyone in the conference whinging about?" And so, mm-hmm. and, and and so, because there's always something like you know the breakout rooms are too far away, or you know the 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 breakfast was just horrible, or you know find out what everyone's having a whinge about and try and bond with them by making a joke about that. Yes, love it. Well, you've given us so much food for thought, Marty. Thank you so much. Oh, pleasure. I know you've got a lot going on, but what's what's one thing that you're really excited about that you love to let everyone know about? Oh, probably probably would be if if you are thinking of um, if you would like to put some more humour into your into your um into your speaking, um, go to uh, this International Business Humour Summit. I, I've somehow managed to get all these people to say yes from all over the world. I I worked out I was forty two speakers from all around the world that I got, and not just speakers, but some stand up comics and some cartoonists and some just people who are professionally funny all the time mm-hmm. um, and got to interview these people. And I worked out if I got them all onto a live stage, it would cost over half a million dollars. Um, and so, but I got them to speak to me. So we got private behind the scenes interviews with all these people and uh, it's only 197 bucks to, to watch 
like an hour interview with over four, with 42 people from all over the world. And, and just the, I promise you, the tips you'll get from this summit is just absolutely amazing. So um, it, it'll go up if you go to morefunnymoremoney.com. There's a, that's, that's my um, humor website. It'll go up there in the next couple of days. So probably by the time this podcast airs, uh, it'll, it'll be up there already. Thanks, Marty. And I'll put a link in the, um, in the blog post as well to, oh, so that people can easily find it. Fantastic. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Marty. This has been absolutely fantastic. You've been wonderful. Pleasure. Thank you. Huge thanks to Marty Wilson for being an amazing guest on the show this week. Like you mentioned, go to morefunnymoremoney.com to learn more about the work he does around bringing more humor into your speaking and communication or simply visit the show notes at thecmethod.com slash Marty. And that link will be in the description of this podcast in your app. Now, when I saw him speak at the conference, so when, when we met, one, one of the stories that he shared, or one of the tips he shared for turning a, um, like a negative situation around was, so, so he used an example of when you've got road rage, when you're driving and you get really angry because of bad drivers around you, instead of swearing your head off and getting really angry, to sing your frustrations out to the tune of a Broadway song. And he demonstrated this on stage in a really, really hilarious way. Now, yesterday, I'm, so I'm in Rome at the moment, um, and yesterday I was at St. Peter's Square with Aaron, my fiancé, and we were there to go to St. Peter's Basilica, which is this amazing, huge church. It is the mother of all churches. Once you see that church, you don't need to go to any other churches in Europe that is all you need to see. Um, so we were going to go there and then the Vatican. And when you go through the Basilica, through through St. Peter's Square to get to the Basilica, you have all of these guys, like these touts coming up to you, trying to sell you these skip the line tickets. And they come up, they come up to you, um, you know, ma'am, would you like to skip the line? Ma'am, you need tickets. Ma'am, you need tickets. You need tickets. Do you need tickets? And we already had tickets. Um, we pre-purchased online because we're very smart and organized. And so these people kept coming up to us and we had to keep saying, no, no, we've already got tickets. No, we've already got tickets. No, we've already got tickets. And it was getting so annoying because these people just kept hassling us. And I was ready to blow my top. Like I was ready to just scream out, we already have tickets. Leave us alone. But instead of doing that, I had this sort of brainwave and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to sing my frustrations so I burst into song and started prancing around the square. And you, as you can imagine, there's like thousands of people around or thousands of tourists. And I start dancing around the square, swinging my arms around going, we already have tickets to the Basilica and the Vatican too. We already have tickets. We sure as hell don't need you, you, you. Da, 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 da. And I started to just danced around singing at the top of my lungs and you know what it worked all of the touts avoided us like the plague and we managed to make our way through the square all the way to the entrance without anyone bothering us and funnily enough no one none of the other tourists spoke to us either they all just got out of our way and um so so anyway a couple of lessons from that story firstly 
if you do choose to sing out your frustrations, it completely turns your mood around and helps you to feel better about the situation instead of getting really angry. And secondly, the fact that Marty had demonstrated that lesson through a story and made it funny, which is what he's been he was speaking about today, the fact that he made it funny meant that it stuck in my mind. And even though I hadn't conscious I hadn't consciously thought about you know, what he'd said, I realized afterwards, afterwards I'd done the song and dance. I was like, oh my God, I just did that thing. I did that thing that Marty said to do and I hadn't even realized I was doing it um, until, well, I didn't realize that I'd implemented his tip until afterwards. So that was very cool. So a real life, you know, lesson and proof to you all that telling a, a lesson wrapped in humor really does work. And also if you're getting angry at someone, just sing out your frustrations. It'll be totally awesome and hopefully make them laugh too. (laughs) So I just wanted to share that. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I I learned so much from Marty and I really enjoyed um, chatting with him and and editing the interview as well to to share it with you. It was great to go back and listen to. Um, I do hope that you start to incorporate more humor into your communication and um, and that it brings some more joy to not only yourself but also to your 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 family and your friends and colleagues. And that is all from me this week. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today, Rockstar. Keep on being awesome and I'll talk to you next week. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. Thank you for listening to Stand Out, Get Noticed. To learn more and inquire about the C-Method coaching, keynote and corporate training programs, visit thecmethod.com.